Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the first letter of John, chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. I invite you to join with me in your Bible or the Pew Bible that's in front of you. Again, it's 1 John chapter 4, 16 through 19. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, as we come to hear your word read and proclaimed today, I pray, O Lord, that we would have ears to listen, hearts that were tuned to the movement of your spirit, so that as we leave this time in worship with you, this time in community with each other, that we will go forth in the world not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Sixteen years ago, Bishop Robert Snazy wrote a book entitled Five Practices for Fruitful Congregations. This is sort of the penultimate book, if you will, for churches and lay leadership and clergy alike to examine as to how well the church is living out the gospel, this idea of being the body of believers alive and well in the world around us. And so his conjecture is that vital, vibrant congregations practice five traits, radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, and extravagant generosity. Now, as a side note, we could, take, we could take this list and put it on the wall and ask each other to score ourselves how we think, how well each of us thinks our church is doing on these five things. And we'll do this in sort of a way through our lay leadership teams over the next three years, think about how we live into these five traits and how we might be better at them. But what we do know about the church is this, that it's not just a building, it's not just an institution, but really it is a sum of its parts. The church is the body of believers. And if we want to excel in these five traits as a congregation, then we must practice these five traits in our personal lives. We must reflect the nature of God in how we live our faith out in the world around us. Now the reality is is that many of us think that we're Christians, but this is going to be painful painful for us to hear because we think that we can just check some boxes 
and that scores the sheet for us. So we can say things like, well, I got my kid baptized, check. I went to confirmation class, check. I'm a member of a church, check. I give us something for the cause every once in a while, check. I show up maybe once or twice a year, check. Friends, no. Christianity, the Christian faith, is not about checking boxes. It never has been. Let me be very clear. It has never been about checking boxes and doing what everyone says we should do. Instead, what it is, it's grounded. The Christian faith is grounded in personal practices which reflect the practices of Jesus in his ministry. Things like prayer, solitude, worship, reflection, scripture reading, building community, serving, generosity, engagement with the oppressed. See, when we start to do those things and incorporate them in our lives, we are reflecting, we are living our faith, that which we learn from Jesus. So much like churches which seek to have fruitfulness in their lives, we too as individuals must seek it as well. And so we begin this sort of journey in understanding what it means, these fruitful practices, by looking at this idea of radical hospitality that is receiving God's love in our hearts. Now, in this first letter of John, what we hear is we hear his words on love. And we'll begin to understand, and we know this from reading elsewhere in the New Testament, the ministry of Jesus, that Jesus, his whole message is a gospel, the good news, if you will, a gospel of love. And so John, 1 John, the letter of 1 John is reflecting this. And so verse 19 gets to the heart of the matter for us. For it's in verse 19 that we learn how we are to act and why we are to do thusly. Why we're to act this way. It says, it says we love because God first loved us. Friends, if we just start there, and that's all we take away today, we love because God first loved us, that's enough to propel us. We could spend weeks breaking that one verse of Scripture down and seeing how well it lives out into our lives. But what this passage provides for us, it provides a guide. It provides a guide for us to maybe unpack and understand God's grace for us, to see where the world sometimes tries to distract us the obstacles that the world puts in our way so that we don't understand and maybe don't realize the fullness of that grace. And finally, it shows us a way to open our hearts up to the grace of God. How to practice radical hospitality by receiving God and God's grace into our hearts. So let's look at this idea of grace. I want to start, I want to give you two images one is a t-shirt that I saw a couple months ago, and I almost bought it. I do not need another t-shirt. I've already got way too many as it is, but I almost bought this one because of the message it said. So I'm going to share it with you. Do not let people treat you like you are free chips and salsa. You're cheese dip, baby. Cheese dip. Now, if you go to a Mexican restaurant, you know they give you free chips and salsa, but if you want the really good stuff, it's that expensive liquid cheese. I don't know what goes in it, because it's not just cheese. There's all kinds of stuff, but that's the stuff. You could eat that up all night long, and it's expensive compared to free chips and salsa. 
Don't let people treat you like free chips and salsa. You're cheese dip. You're cheese dip. Or the other way, you could take your basic bottle of water, you know, your, your bottle of Deer Park water or something like that. You know, if you go to the grocery store, you can buy those for 50 cents each. If you go to the convenience store right down here on Broad Street, it's about a dollar. And if you go to a kid's sports event in the middle of August where it's 1,000 degrees and 100% humidity and it feels almost like Las Vegas in the wintertime, that bottle of water is $2. If you go to a professional sports event, say maybe a Panthers game or a minor league baseball game, that bottle magically, same bottle, same water, by the way, $4. And if you go to the airport... Six bucks. What's the lesson that we should take away from this? Go where you're most valued. This is the lesson we take away. Go where we're most valued, where people are going to treat us like the good stuff. Well, see, to understand this idea of most value, that's where the word grace enters into it. Think about your life. Have you ever experienced a setback where things didn't go your way, where you stumbled where you failed, where something changed and it affected your understanding of yourself. And in that moment, though you want to hold on and believe that your cheese dip or your $6 bottle of water, you're not sure any longer. You think maybe you're less than those things, less than worthy. But here's the good news. You are not the first person to experience this. This has happened elsewhere in history. It's happened to others sitting right here in the sanctuary with you. But we could go all the way back. We could go back to the New Testament and we could look at Paul, the tormentor. We could look at Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Or Mary Magdalene or the woman of ill repute at the well or the thief on the cross. And they thought they were less than. They were treated by the society as less than. Someone to be feared or punished or shunned. They were not perfect at all. They had stumbled somewhere. They were something less than in their minds. But what happened? They had an encounter with Jesus. And that moment in that encounter with Jesus, Jesus saw them for who they were and for what they could be. And Jesus values them and honors them and lifts them up and says, Oh no, I know you think you're chips and salsa, but you're cheese dip. You're not a $50, 50 cent bottle of wine. You're a, I mean, what bottle of water? Where are we going there? Uh, communion's coming, hang on. Uh, you're a $6 bottle. And friends, that's grace. Because in that moment, they had value when they thought they had none. So the lesson that we take from this idea of grace is that we matter, that we are the cheese dip, we are the $6 bottle of water. We're that. But sometimes, despite the fact that we know this, we go outside the doors of a place like this and the world throws up roadblocks, throws up distractions on us. Just think about this. Earlier this week, it was the first day of school for Winston-Salem, Forsyth County. And last week and the week before that, some of our private schools went back and Facebook was inundated with pictures of kids on the first day of class, whether holding up a placard or wearing their outfit and smiling and looking cute and wonderful. And if your household had that happen, maybe it was like mine back in the day when my girls were getting ready, there was a lot of time spent on getting the perfect outfit. That's all the same clothes in the closet. 
But for one reason, there was a combination that had to be just perfect. And maybe your child walked out the door. Maybe you were walking out the door for your first big job or maybe your new promotion or something like that. And you tried to make sure that you looked perfect. And your kid walked out the door to school this week looking perfect. And everybody was excited and like, I look good. And they walked into school and a couple of high fives and a couple of hellos and feeling confident. And then that one person says something, right? Those shoes don't match. Or that t-shirt looks stupid. Now, parenthetically, why do we do this to each other? Why do we do this? Because let me tell you what, putting salt in someone else's tea doesn't make yours any sweeter, does it? But we like to do this. We do this sometimes. And so what happens, the people on the receiving end of that, they've gotten great compliments all day long, but that one negative comment, what does it do to us? It sends us to the bottom. In that very moment, that one negative comment bottoms out for us. See, the world sometimes puts these obstacles up. We go in the door thinking that we have this great value, that we look great and perfect and good and whatever, and the world knocks the legs out from under us. Sometimes it's because of the culture. Sometimes it's our lifestyle. Sometimes it's our own inner critic. Sometimes it's just because of our choices. But think about it. This happens to us. These obstacles get in our way, help us fail to see the grace that God has for us. I mean, the culture tells us time and again that we need to look like this or that we need to have that or something else, and that we'd be happier if only we had something that we don't have or if we went somewhere that we're not going, where everybody else is. But what they're selling are the things that don't last, the things that will fade, the things that will rust, the things that will become obsolete. That's what the culture is selling, and yet what God's selling us, this idea of grace, is it's permanent. It's a gift to us. Or maybe we get in sort of this fast-paced world where we're constantly going and we want to distract ourselves from all these speed bumps that come up. So we spend time looking on our screens and all it does is it gives us nearsightedness. And we lose social connection. We think we're connecting with each other, but if the Wi-Fi shuts down, we look up and we see others who look up and we don't know who they are and they're right in front of us. Or we spent so much time chasing the lowercase influencers on what's all cool that we see what the capital I influencer, that would be God, what God has provided for us already. Then there's our inner critic. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we try to say, I'm to this, I'm to that, I'm not this, I'm not that. And these negative messages, they beat us down. And it's that moment that we fail to realize the true value that we have. Within our poor choices and our behaviors, that we know that some things are wrong for us and yet we still do them. But if we will silence those, if we will avoid those distractions, those speed bumps, if we'll not let those negative words influence us, what we begin to realize is those distractions, if we'll push them aside, if we won't listen to them, we will see that God's grace is right in front of us. And it's calling out to us saying, you are enough, just as you are. And if we'll do that, then we're opening our heart to God. And we're inviting God in to let God speak to us, let God guide us, let God show us the way. It becomes what Paul Tillich writes, he says, that we begin to realize that we must accept that we are accepted. 
that we are enough, that if we open our eyes and we see what God sees in us, we open our lives to God's grace, then we begin to realize the real change in the world around us. That's where that radical hospitality comes in. We then begin to invite God into our lives to help us see the value of who we are, not as we see ourselves, but until we own that that God shows us. Helps us tune out the inner critic. It helps us to change our behaviors. It helps us to slow down and pay attention to what God has provided for us. It helps us to focus on what matters most and how to lean into those things. And it's in those moments that when we do that, that we realize that we are fully embraced by God's love. So I'll leave you with this story. A few years ago, I was meeting with a sophomore in college. She was part of our college fellowship group. And she had just come back from a summer where she was really unsure about herself. She had lived through freshman year and it was okay, but she was really unsure. She was really struggling and she said, I, I, I'm not sure I belong here. I'm not sure. She says, I've got some friends, but I don't really feel super connected. I'm not sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. She says, and frankly, I've, I just feel, I, I'm just a little weird. And I said to her, you are. Hang on. I said to her, you are. But here's the secret. All of us are a little weird. That's how we're made. We are made unique. We're made as individuals. And that's this tapestry that God created. And so you are who you are. And if you realize that God loves you just as you are, that God made you this way, and this is wonderful, if you'll live into that, you'll find that the world needs you. Not magic words, not anything of great wisdom that I shared with her. But as we talked, she began to lean into that, to this idea of God's grace for her, that to accept that she was accepted, that she was enough, that she was cheese dip in a $6 bottle of water, that she was all of those things, even though she may have thought that she was sort of a fish out of water in some circles, that she belonged. And the rest of the story is this, is that she is a beloved science teacher these days. And she is beloved not because she's a great teacher, she's that too, but she's beloved because every kid that walks into her classroom learns to accept that they are accepted, to learn that they are enough just as they are. So friends, if we would do that as well, if we would accept that we're accepted by God and if we would go out into the world and to teach that message to the world that they too are accepted, that they are enough, that God loves each and every person that we come in contact with, that there is grace for all of us and there is plenty of grace for all of us. Think about the impact that we can have. So as we come to this table this morning, what I hope that you will come with is this idea in your heart that you are enough, that you will accept that you are accepted at this table and that the grace that is poured out upon us at this table is the grace that we carry out in the world around us because we are truly that worthy of it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.